0: Hello and welcome to Ballistic Performance Radio. This is your one stop shop for all things nutrition, fitness, and mindset. Our goal is to help you make fitness and nutrition a part of your life, not your whole life. We discuss a variety of topics, including faith, self awareness, sustainability, and consistency training programs, grocery store navigation, and how to enjoy your favorite foods without guilt or remorse. There is a lot of noise out there in the world of health and fitness, so we're here to provide real, reliable, and practical answers and recommendations that will keep you moving forward on your journey. My wife Ashley and I are your hosts, and please do not hesitate to reach out on social media to say hello, ask questions, or comment on this week's episode. So without further ado, let's get into the podcast. All right, welcome back. This is episode 143, and today I am here with two incredible people. Well, maybe one. I don't know if we can count you, Ash, as an incredible person. You've been on the show a lot recently. (laughs) I have been because we needed to get more downloads, right? (laughs) Uh, But anyway, we are here with a special guest today. Jillian Smith is with us, and Jillian, I'm going to go ahead and allow you a few moments here to just explain a little bit about who you are, what you do, and why you do it, so I don't do a disservice to how awesome an individual you actually are.
1: Oh, thank you so much, and thank you for having me. I'm so excited to chat with you guys today. So, I am a gut health registered dietitian, so all things gut health is my jam. I work under a lens of functional medicine, so really what that means is that my aim is truly to get to the root cause of my clients' imbalances, so I see clients for all things gut health. A lot of my clients are coming to me because maybe they were told they have irritable bowel syndrome. They struggle with frustrating gut symptoms like bloating or bathroom issues, issues with digestion, and I help them figure out what's causing those symptoms, correcting those so that they can feel so much better in their bodies.
0: Wow, that was super concise. I loved it. That was
1: awesome.
0: (laughs) Uh, Well, perfect. And so that sort of leads into the topic of the day, which is gut health and as you mentioned you're specializing in that with that functional medicine lens so just to start things off could you just briefly explain what gut health is like maybe define it and then some of the factors that comprise that and why it's so important
1: oh yes well it's a loaded question so the gut the gut is responsible for so many things so really when i'm talking about gut health, and when I'm referring to the gut, it's really everything from where food enters up at our mouth to where food exits. That entire tract, it consists of trillions of bacteria that are really, really important for many different systems in our bodies. It's going to regulate, of course, our digestion, so how we're breaking down foods, how we're absorbing our nutrients, which in turn is going to affect our energy production, It plays a role in our hormone health and our metabolic health. It plays roles in our skin and really the gut is referred to as our second brain because the gut really has a powerful relationship with our brain. So a lot of mental wellness will come back down to the gut. I say that the gut is the center of all health. And so when things in the gut are messed up, we really start to see this bleed into other aspects of our lives. So, Like I was saying, I work with a lot of clients who come to me when they have a lot of digestive symptoms, things that can look like bloating or bathroom issues, but gut issues go far beyond just those more obvious digestive issues. And gut issues can also look like depression and anxiety, wonky hormones, skin issues, things like eczema, psoriasis, acne, autoimmune conditions. Um, You know, so many things can really come back down to the gut. So that's why I get so excited and so passionate about gut health because it just affects so many things in our health and our well-being.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, in just that description alone, if folks aren't familiar with gut health, they're probably thinking, holy shit, that is a lot of influence on the body.
1: <laughs> so much. Yeah, it just affects so many things. And a lot of times people don't think of, you know, maybe their chronic fatigue, feeling tired all the time, or their heavy, painful periods. They don't even think that that could be related to the gut. And so I'm really out here kind of trying to shine this light on the gut is responsible for so much. So we have to show it some love and give it the support that it needs.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And so that said, you were explaining how it's involved in all these other systems and it can influence all of these systems. What are some of the signs and symptoms of someone that might have poor gut health or is, you know, moving to in that direction?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So some of the most common signs, we can start with those more digestive symptoms. So things like bloating, whether that be bloating after you eat meals or bloating just throughout the day, I get a lot of clients who come to me saying that, you know, they have that like pregnant belly look by the end of the day, they wake up, they feel good. At the end of the day, they look six months pregnant because their belly is just so distended from bloat. It can look like a lot of embarrassing gas. So if you're just constantly having gas throughout the day, or maybe it's trapped gas causing a lot of pain and discomfort, any sort of abdominal pains, whether it be cramping or nausea or any like upper GI stuff, things like heartburn, reflux, GERD, those are all going to be symptoms of some digestive issues with your gut. But like I was saying, since gut health bleeds into so many other aspects of our health, it can also look like things that aren't directly looking like those digestive symptoms. So it can also look like those skin issues. It can look like autoimmune conditions. It can look like having chronic fatigue and just feeling tired all the time. Because when you think about it, Since your gut is the thing responsible for breaking down your food, absorbing those nutrients, if you're not doing that and if your body's not getting the nutrients it needs to produce energy, you're going to be feeling really tired. Maybe sleep disturbances. Your gut plays a role in that because it produces a lot of our sleep hormones, the things that make us fall asleep, make us feel tired, make us feel relaxed. So if you're not producing a lot of those feel-good, relaxing hormones, that can also lead to things like anxiety and depression. So really, so many things can look like gut issues. And many times, people don't even realize that some of those things are actually because of your gut health.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And I think it's really eye-opening to understand that and to think, okay, I don't necessarily it's not normal to feel like this all the time or it's not normal to be bloated all the time it's not normal to experience x y and z because i think a lot of times especially in our current culture all of those things are normalized or just you're told that you know it's it's part of the process or that you're gonna you're gonna have to deal with this etc
1: oh my gosh yes and that is what i really try to preach is that those symptoms that you're feeling they're not normal and just because something's common doesn't make it normal so just because a lot of people are dealing with bloating or maybe a lot of people are struggling with constipation that doesn't make it normal and it doesn't have to be that way even things like headaches feeling stressed out all the time feeling overwhelmed like you can never get ahead of your to-do list you just always have more to do these can all be things that are really common in our modern society, but they're not normal, and you deserve to feel good in your body and not have these symptoms.
0: Yeah, absolutely, and that, that makes me think of a conversation I had a while back with Bridget when we had her on the podcast that uh, I had a friend who came to me and said he is getting all this testing done and he was having these digestive issues, and eventually they boiled it down to the fact that He needed to eat like a low FODMAP diet or, you know, Mm. and and he's like, I can't eat broccoli. And I said, dude, that's a problem. That's not normal. You should be able to eat broccoli. Like, so even when you do get some of this testing done and you pursue these different avenues, it's not necessarily that they're getting to the root cause, which I'm sure we'll talk about here. But it is not normal to not be able to eat these types of foods. There's something beyond that that's causing these issues.
1: Yes, 100%. And, you know, I think especially when we're talking about gut health and digestive issues, food gets the blame so often. And really people are like, oh, I ate this food and I got bloated. This food causes my gut issues. And very rarely is it the food that's the issue. It's the environment that the food's going into, which is your gut. So we're blaming the food for being the problem, but the food's not the problem. It's that you have imbalances in your gut that you can't break down that food. So that's really what we need to be addressing.
0: Absolutely. And piggybacking off of food, just something that I figured we'd cover here in the beginning before we get into a bunch of detail. A lot of times when people hear gut issues or talking about gut health, immediately fiber comes into the conversation. So I just wanted to cover this in the beginning because I know Ash is very passionate about getting a lot of fiber and we preach this to all of our clients. So why is fiber so important when it comes to gut health?
1: Yes. So fiber is what feeds the good bacteria in your gut. So like I was saying, the gut is home to trillions of bacteria and many of that bacteria is really beneficial for our health. So we really need to be sure that we're getting the food for the bacteria so that they can thrive and, in turn, make your health thrive. So if we're not feeding this bacteria, they're going to die off and that's going to lead to more poor gut health. So fiber is the fuel for these little gut bugs, this good bacteria. And in turn, this good bacteria produces so many health benefits for you. They're very anti-inflammatory. They support your immune system. They have so many beneficial roles within our body. And we have to be sure that we're feeding them what they need so that they can then thrive and give us what we need. So fiber is what feeds those guys. So plenty of fruits and veggies, lots of plant foods and nuts and seeds and whole grains. Those are all the things that are going to feed those good gut bugs. So eating plenty of fiber is super important for the gut.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And most people suck at eating fiber. At least that's what we found in our experience (laughs) because people aren't eating enough fruits and vegetables as yeah. well as some of the whole grains like you discussed. If someone mm-hmm. listening is just like they've never considered fiber before and they're like, "Wow, shit, maybe I should try to incorporate this into my like daily habits of eating, what are like the top 3 or 4 easiest foods to implement into your diet that contain a lot of fiber or that are rich in fiber?"
1: Yes. So, one of my powerhouse go-to's is cruciferous vegetables. So those are going to be things like broccoli, cauliflower, Brussels sprouts, that family of vegetables are really, really high in fiber and just very, very good for your gut, for your liver function, so many things. So cruciferous veggies are one of my go-tos. Ground flax seeds, those are another really great one. They give you a certain kind of fiber called soluble fiber, which is really good for your gut bacteria. So ground flax, you can add them into smoothies, put them onto salads, add them into yogurt bowls, super easy and versatile to add into the diet. And then another really big one that I love is apples. Apples are really, really great. Another great source of that soluble fiber. And you're getting one that is really powerful for healing the gut lining, feeding that good gut bacteria. So those would be my top three that I would say, get those into the diet and watch your gut health thrive.
0: Yeah, I love that. Is that usually the three you recommend to folks?
2: Um, yeah, actually, like right around there. I think I also add like raspberries in there.
1: That's Ooh, usually like yes. one that people enjoy. Yes, and I love raspberries because they have a certain uh, nutrient in them. So there's certain compounds inside of different plant foods. They're called polyphenols, and these polyphenols feed the good gut bacteria. Now, red polyphenols are specifically really gut healthy. So anytime we can bring in more red plant foods, the better. So raspberries being a great one. Any sort of berries, you know, strawberries, blackberries, blueberries, also things like red quinoa or red bell peppers can be really, really good for the gut.
0: Awesome. And the polyphen this is a random question. I don't know if you know, but the polyphenols, is that one of the reasons you'll hear folks say, blueberries are like the powerhouse fruit.
1: Yes. Yep, exactly. Exactly. It's because it's very, very rich in polyphenols. So whenever we're thinking about polyphenols, you want to look for deep pigment colors. So the deeper the pigment, the more polyphenols it's going to have and the more health beneficial it will be for your gut.
0: There we go. And that's probably why you are always talking to people about color. When it comes to their food,
1: yeah. right? <laughs> yes, 100%. I have put that as a full food group when I'm talking to clients about how to build healthy meals. The color component is its very own component because it is so, so important for the gut. So getting in plenty of color into the diet is very important.
0: Did you know that, Ash? That that's how she explains it to folks when I she didn't. talks to them? She says protein, fat, carbs, and color.
2: I love and that. You got it. That's yeah. so cool.
0: Yeah, I did my research.
2: <laughs>
0: uh, well, okay, that's all. That's awesome. And so then talking about shifting gears slightly, when we're talking about gut health, where obviously we've overstated already how important it is and how it can impact all these different systems in your body. If someone is either, whether or not they're experiencing gut health issues or not, and they're sitting there thinking, okay, I eat a pretty well-balanced diet. I don't I don't need to worry about gut health issues, but they have a very high-stress job, or they're very busy and overwhelmed. What kind of role does stress play in gut health?
1: Oh, it's huge. So like I was kind of saying in the beginning, the gut-brain connection is a very, very powerful thing. So The gut-brain access is the way that our brain communicates with our gut and our gut can communicate back to our brain so we really have to bring into the conversation the role that stress plays because stress does impact our gut and then our gut is going to be impacting our stress and our stress resiliency how how easily we can you know rebound from stressful situations So you take a look at our modern society, we are under more stress than any other time in history. You know, it's just the modern way is just very go, go, go. We have a lot of different factors of stress coming in, whether it be emotional stress, you know, maybe it's a stressful job, maybe it's a global pandemic, maybe it's environmental stressors like toxins, Um, maybe it's food stressors like pesticides on our foods or even having, you know, poor relationships with food, stressful relationships with food. All of these types of stressors are going to impact the gut. And different ways in which it does this, number one is it's going to suppress your immune system. So over seventy percent of our immune system is actually within our gut. So when Anytime our immune system is going to be suppressed, this just opens up the door for some bad gut bugs to get in and take up real estate in your body. So if you think about it, the gut needs such a high amount of those um, like immunoglobulins and immune responses because it's really the outside world coming into your body. Anytime we eat any foods or drink any drinks, we're really bringing the outside world into our body. So we need a strong immune system to fight off any pathogens that might have snuck their way in. And stress decreases our body's ability to do this. So, so many times when I see clients who come in, we do some testing on them and we see a lot of gut infections. We see a lot of nasty pathogens living in their body. And I'm also measuring their immune system when I'm doing testing so I can make sure that they have a robust immune system. And if it's not, I'm asking about stress and trying to get that down because if your stress is really high, your body's not going to be able to heal itself. And you're not going to be able to get into that healing place if you're constantly bombarded with ongoing underlying stress.
0: Yeah, I love that. And so Would it be safe to say or am I going out on a limb that even if you're eating a well-balanced diet and getting in plenty of fruits, vegetables, color, as as you would say, that there could still potentially be gut health issues just due to prolonged or chronic stress?
1: Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. And the other thing that stress does is it decreases our body's ability to actually break down and absorb our food. So you may be eating the most perfect, beautiful diet ever. But if you're under a ton of stress, you're not going to be absorbing those nutrients. You're not going to even be benefiting from that perfect diet that you're eating. So we have to bring stress into the conversation. Stress is actually something that I work on with every single one of my clients. I have some initial intake forms that I have my clients fill out when they begin working with me. And stress is always a topic on those forms. And I'm asking about their stress, what sort of things they have built into their daily routines to start reducing some of that stress, because it is so crucial when you're looking to heal your gut, we got to get your stress under control.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And in your experience working with your clients over the over the years, what are some of the, like, the top mistakes that you see people making? Because I'm assuming you get some folks that come to you who obviously understand that they have gut health issues and have been experiencing symptoms and have tried on their own or with another professional to resolve those. But what are some of the state mistakes they've made along the way that are causing them to have these prolonged issues?
1: Oh, yeah. So there's many. I would say the biggest one is not doing a personalized approach. So doing something that maybe worked for your friend or doing something that you saw on Instagram or you heard somebody talking about on TikTok. That's probably the biggest mistake that I see. And it's really hard. You know, it's kind of the social norm to, you know, be scrolling social media and to be seeing all these tricks that worked for somebody trying it yourself and if it didn't work you can feel like you're a hopeless case or that nothing's ever going to work for you or maybe you just tried everything and really it's not the fact that you're a hopeless case or that nothing's going to work for you it's that that specific thing didn't work for you and lacking personalization when we're going through any sort of healing Journey is a huge mistake that I see. And we're all so different as individuals. So we all have to be healing our guts in different ways. We can't have the same approach or the same protocol across the board because we're all unique. We all have unique triggers to our gut issues. And so our approaches have to be unique and personalized as well. So, number one, lacking personalization is a huge mistake. Another big one that I see is being super restrictive on diets and just cutting out all of the things because like we talked about, you need to be having a very diverse diet with plenty of fibers and those plant foods. And so sometimes I see people who are like, I'm just going to cut out all of these vegetables because they make me feel crummy. That's what I see a lot is a lot of times when you do have gut issues, sometimes vegetables, they are really hard to digest and can make you feel worse. And so a mistake that I see a lot is people just cut them out or maybe they'll just have a handful of like five foods that they know make them feel good. So they just eat those. But long-term, you're just doing more harm than good to your gut by having a very restrictive diet. And then number two or number three, I would say is being too stringent on a protocol because that's just creating more stress. So the more restriction you have, the more strict you feel you have to be, that's causing more stress around it, which is in turn, like we talked about, only going to make healing your gut that much harder
0: yeah those are awesome and ash was like kicking me under the Mm -hmm. table here when you had mentioned like sticking to the five foods that you know you feel good eating (laughs) because even though even even though we're working together i still find myself gravitating towards those because they do make me feel less shitty than if i eat these other other types
1: of foods 100%. 100%. And I mean, I struggled with my own gut issues for so many years. And so I get it. I had like a list of five foods that I was like, I'm just going to eat these because they're the only ones that make me feel good. So I'm just going to do that. But you know, as I get more and more into gut health, and I became a registered dietitian, now I'm learning like, Oh, goodness, that is doing so much harm to your gut because you're not allowing that good bacteria to grow if you're only eating the same five foods. We really have to be eating a diverse diet if we want to have good gut health.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And I've obviously learned that along the way working with you, and Ash is still pushing me harder and harder every day. So just know (laughs) she's keeping me accountable. Sneaking
2: those foods in there without them knowing. Thank you, Ash. I love it.
0: Yeah, yeah, because I'm not an ideal ideal client, that's for sure. Uh, So anyway... So you had mentioned in that response that we can't really have one set protocol for every individual because we need to have that customization. But are there some initial steps that someone could take if they're listening and deciding they want to start this journey of exploring their gut health? Are there some general guidelines or steps they can take and then eventually get to that customization?
1: Absolutely. So number one is where I would recommend start is the stress piece and start building in stress reduction techniques into your day. Um, What I really like to do with my clients is really sitting down, peeling back the onion and identifying where sources of stress are coming from and start figuring out where can we delete or where can we delegate things off of your plate? Because just as a society, we all have so much on our plate. So where can we really get honest with ourselves and say, okay, I need to start building in some time for me, some time and space for me time to bring energy back into myself. So how can we delete some things off your plate? Or if we can't delete anything, where can we bring in more restorative stress reduction techniques, things that you actually enjoy? Maybe it's journaling, maybe it's meditation, maybe it's going for walks, maybe it's playing with your dog. You know, where can we start building in things every single day to start combating that fight or flight response that so many of us just live our lives in? And so that's a really big one that I recommend everybody can start with, as well as starting to optimize things like sleep. Sleep is going to really impact your gut health. Um, And when we're actually sleeping, this is when a lot of healing is happening within our body. So starting to optimize your sleep, whether that be, you know, turning electronics off, at least. 30 minutes to an hour before getting into bed or maybe it's going into bed an hour earlier and instead of watching Netflix doing something like journaling or reading a book or you know some of those things that we can start to really improve sleeping habits I think that that's just such a miss mark which improving our sleep and reducing our stress it sounds simple but it's not always easy so really kind of nailing in some of those foundational basics is so huge. And then also nutrition, nutrition is another huge foundation that we kind of have to set that before we even get into anything like testing and supplements. So making sure you're eating a balanced diet, like you had said earlier, the protein, fat, carbs, and color, making sure you're having those four components in all of your meals and getting in lots of colorful fruits and vegetables and those fibers like we were talking about.
0: Yeah, I love that. I love that the first two actually have nothing to do with nutrition because that's where everyone's mind goes immediately when you're thinking of gut health. So really, really interesting and helpful there. Now before, or let's say this, after they've done those three things, let's say they decide they want to continue to pursue this and look into that customization or that next step. How can someone find like a credible, knowledgeable, experienced professional or practitioner especially when you live in an area that maybe isn't as populated or they don't, you don't have access to one. How how can they go about that?
1: Yeah. You know, I'm asked this a lot and my response is super simple and it's social media. I think if anything that came out of this crazy global pandemic that we have been in the past couple of years, it's the expansion of telemedicine and telehealth and that you really don't need to be seeing in-person clinics as much anymore as we maybe had to five, 10 years ago. And really this, the telehealth space has really boomed and there's incredible practitioners that you can now have access to from your fingertips. And so many of them are now on social media. And so they're sharing their message, their approach to health. So really doing your research and finding some of these practitioners and kind of, diving into some of the things that they're talking about to see if their values align with yours. And the other beautiful thing is that so many practitioners will offer complimentary consultation calls. So taking advantage of those, getting on phone calls with them and chatting with them, seeing if, you know, your energies vibe together. If you actually enjoy talking with this person, if, um, you know, ask them about their experience, how many clients they've seen, how many years they've been in the business of this and really starting to find ones that you connect with and that feel really good and aligned for you.
0: Yeah. I love that advice. Now I don't want to get negative, but what are some like red flags if someone's on social media and they see like an influencer or an individual who claims to be a professional or practitioner that then they look into and it's like, Whoa, like what would be something that would catch your eye and say, probably look elsewhere?
1: Yeah. So anytime people, I mean, I would say, Keep your eyes out for that personalization piece. So anytime someone's on you know, social media and they're giving blanket statement advice or blanket protocols that apply to a bunch of different people, that's always something that puts up a little red flag in my mind because it's lacking that personalization piece. And you shouldn't be given a blanket recommendation or a blanket protocol across the board to multiple people because it's not personalized to you. So really keeping some, some feelers out for things like that and making sure that you're working with somebody who recognizes the importance of personalization and recognizes that the human body is so complex and that we really have to be diving into so many different systems when we're trying to heal anything with your health, but especially the gut. And we really have to take into account that so many things affect the gut. So if they're only focusing on nutrition, for example, but they're not even bringing stress or your sleep or your hormones or anything else into the conversation. That's another little red flag that I would have some caution around.
0: No, I love that. So essentially be on the lookout for individualization and a comprehensive approach to gut health as opposed to a single lane.
1: Absolutely. Yep. So important.
0: Awesome. Uh, Okay, so in that case, just shifting gears here before we get into sharing a little bit about our journey together, um, not me and Ash, but me and you, Jillian, and working together. (laughs) Yeah. You are involved in a, I don't know if I should call it a company, but a program company called The Gut Fix. Mm -hmm. Could you just explain a little bit about what that is, how you got involved in that, and really the approach that y'all are taking with The Gut Fix?
1: Yeah. So the gut fix is our service-based company where we're seeing clients either in our group programs or privately one-on-one coaching to fix their gut issues. So this is where I am seeing clients who are coming in with really complex, confusing, and frustrating gut issues. Maybe they have just been going to different doctor's appointments and they feel like they've really have just been shoot up and spit out and they keep on going to the doctors and everything's coming back quote unquote normal. And they're usually by the time they get over to me over at the gut fix, they're just like, I don't even know where else to turn. And so that's really where I am taking clients to do the testing, to do the in depth, deep dive into their nutrition, their lifestyle, their stress, their sleep, their exercise, all the things that are going to be affecting their gut health. That's what we're digging into in The Gut Fix. And so, like I said, we do it. We have a group program, which is a four-month program. And then I also see clients privately one-on-one, which those timeframes really differ. But on average, about six months, I'm working with clients. And we're drilling into all these different areas of the health. I do a lot of hormone testing. I do a lot of nutrient testing, vitamin, minerals, stress testing, all of the things that we can really start overturning some stones and get my clients some answers to what's going on.
0: Yeah, I love that. And that's obviously how we got connected. And we're going to dive into that mm-hmm. here in a moment. Now, al- you had mentioned, because I think anyone listening might have heard, you need personalization. And then they heard you guys do a group model at the Gut Fix. So mm-hmm. with that said, it's not the, a cookie cutter blanket approach. Mm-hmm. I'm assuming in the group, you're taking an individualized approach with each person, but addressing the broad, general concepts with the group.
1: Yes, exactly. And I actually, I call it a small group program because I do keep it small because there's such um, a level of personalization in there that I can't have a huge group. So we keep it small, but every single person in this group program gets the stool testing. And I'm, I know we're going to be talking more about the stool testing, but The stool testing is really the best way to figure out what's going on in the gut and figure out those root causes to some of those confusing symptoms. So every single person gets that stool testing. Every single person gets a session with me to go over the results so I can explain exactly what those results mean, what's going on in their unique gut. And then I'm personalizing a plan for each individual inside of the group. And so every single protocol and every single plan that I'm creating is very different because it's dependent on their test results on their current nutrition on their current lifestyle practices
0: yeah absolutely i love that and it's very similar concept to what we utilize in our group course as well now we mentioned earlier that it's not just about nutrition that there are these other factors that are need to be addressed and one of the big things i know we've talked about with bridget you and i have talked about in separate conversations is The need for supplementation when we're talking about healing the gut so that said you also are involved in a company called gut personal or at least affiliated with and you're providing these types of supplements that we need in this gut healing journey what would you say are the three biggest supplements and obviously it's different for per individual and per case but if you had to pick three that you'd recommend to someone who's experiencing gut issues or that you likely would prescribe to someone who's in the program.
1: Yes. Oh, so huge. So yes, Gut Personal is the sister company to the Gut Fix. And Gut Personal is more of our product-based company that I'm, I'm also the lead dietitian over at Gut Personal. And so we have these personalized gut healing supplements so that if you're not in a place To work with me privately one-on-one or in our group program, then going with the gut personal supplements can be a great place to start, to just start dipping your toes into healing your gut. And I would say my top threes are number one, the miracle worker, which is a highly absorbable form of magnesium. I would go as far to say that two thirds of the population is deficient in magnesium and Every single client that I have seen, I do lab work on and we see that magnesium levels are low for there's so so many reasons why we are deficient in magnesium and we get absolutely get into all of that, but we're deficient in magnesium and it's so, so important for so many systems in the body. So the miracle worker would be number one is what I would recommend. Another big one is the healer. So the healer is a, um, it's a single ingredient, immunoglobulins. And what it does is it literally, like the name suggests, heals the lining of the gut. So especially if you're somebody who has had gut issues for a long time, there's likely a lot of damage in your gut and we need to heal that up so that your gut can actually get into a place to begin healing itself. So the healer is another one that I would recommend. And then I would also say a good probiotic. So we have a few different probiotics at Gut Personal. My personal favorite if you're struggling with gut issues is the Booster. So those would be my top 3 to get started on if you're having a lot of gut issues and you don't know where to start. Those are my 3 fades.
0: Yeah, I love that and I'm I'm happy you hammered magnesium cuz I know Ashley is obsessed with I am magnesium obsessed with the Miracle and, Worker. <laughs> yeah. I mean, we both take it, but she is like very very obsessed i would say in a way that is good
2: yeah but like i just make i prioritize taking it every night like i just i notice a big difference when i don't take it
1: yes and so many people do notice such a big difference when they start it and it's because we're so deficient in it as a society so when you start adding magnesium in your body is like oh my goodness this is what i've been needing and you realize just how deficient you really were in magnesium because you notice such a difference yeah absolutely
0: for sure and i i was the same way definitely noticed a difference when i started taking it and just to touch on this briefly because i don't want to fall down the rabbit hole but why are we so deficient in magnesium is it that we're not consuming or ingesting the types of foods that it's you know primarily found in or does it have something to do with the lifestyle why, why is that happening
1: Yeah, so a few factors here. So number one, modern agriculture, our soil is just really depleted from those vital minerals like magnesium. So it's not really even in our food supply like it was a hundred years ago. Number two, there's not that many foods that are super high in magnesium. Unless you're eating a crap ton of pumpkin seeds and dark chocolate every single day, it's really hard to get enough magnesium from food alone. And then number three is our modern lifestyle and stress. So in times of stress, magnesium is the first nutrient to go. Your body plows through magnesium in times of stress. So when we are super busy, when we are stressed out, your body is plowing through magnesium and then we're not getting enough of it from our food to offset that balance. And so a lot of us end up deficient. Also having gut issues. Magnesium is kind of a finicky nutrient, which it's very difficult to absorb if the conditions are not perfect. So if you have gut issues, you probably are not absorbing it. So there's a lot of different factors that are kind of compounding on top of one another that is leading to just our society being deficient
0: in magnesium there we go i learned something new did you know that
1: i didn't know all of that
2: that's super interesting
0: i'm shocked i thought you would have done the homework on that.
2: i didn't know the soil uh piece that's really cool yes the big one yeah
0: all right awesome now we'll dive into our relationship and how we started working together in that journey and maybe just have you you know provide some context as to you know, after we did the initial testing and the protocol and how you were formulated that, et cetera. But for anyone listening that doesn't know, about a year and a half ago, two years at this point, I was experienced a lot of, started to experience a lot of gut issues. They got progressively worse over the course of that time. And it's a unique situation in the fact that it wasn't like a bacteria overgrowth. It wasn't any of the, I don't want to say traditional, but any of the things that most people think of when it comes to gut health. And mine was I would just get nauseous or vomit after three to f- three and a half, four hours of not eating. And it only happens when I eat and then go three to four hours. So if I wake up the next day and don't eat, I'm good all day. So it's a really unique situation. But mm-hmm. I had tried a few things on my own, like elimination diets, eliminating caffeine, eating more frequently, et cetera. As you had mentioned at the top of the episode, nothing was working. And I was like, holy shit, fuck it. I need to just do something else. And we had met Bridget at the time, which then you and I got connected through her. And then now we are at a point where we've been following a protocol for the last six months because I reached out back in January. And we're trying to dial in this protocol and also help Mm -hmm. resolve the issues. Because even though there's been some relief, we haven't completely resolved the situation yet. Does that sound about Mm -hmm. right?
1: Yeah,
2: that sounds great. I was going to say, I feel like when we had Bridget on the podcast, I was like kicking you under the table the entire time. And I'm like, all right, I know what we're doing as soon as we get off this podcast.
0: Yeah, that's 100% true. The entire (laughs) conversation with Bridget, as she was like kicking me. And then at the end, when we stopped recording, she kicked me even harder. I was like, okay, I'm supposed to ask. (laughs) Yeah, I'm
2: like, okay, you need to talk to Bridget right this second.
0: (laughs) So all of that said... You know, looking at or looking back on the timeline, what is the first step when I came to you? What was the first thing that we did in our like initial assessment, I should say, or what was the first step when I approached you?
1: Yeah. So the first step is I send those forms. And so really, I call them the intake forms. And they're very detailed forms that are giving me tons of information that I then use with your stool test results to kind of start connecting some of those puzzle pieces to what's going on. So within these forms, it's a deep dive into health history, into your symptoms, um, you know, what's really going on, what current supplements, medications you're taking, what does your stress look like? Like I was talking about, I asked questions on stress, what does your sleep look like? What is your nutrition looking like? So it's a really detailed form to give me the information that I then use when we get your stool test to start connecting some dots as to what's going on and to start, you know, forming some, some ideas, some suggestions of to, okay, you're struggling with this symptom. From my experience, it could be due to this. Let's try this and see how it goes and adjust from there. So really that first step are those forms and then you get that, the stool test. So For anybody who doesn't know, the stool test is sent directly to your home. You complete it from the convenience of your own home. Very humbling experience. But we get so much great data from these results. You send it back to the lab. They send me the results at that time. And this is how uh, you and I did it, Derek. We then get on to a session together where I can then explain to you your stool test results and kind of start connecting some of those symptoms to what the results are showing us
0: yeah absolutely and i think just to attest to how detailed the the forms are as i was going through them it's con- it's questions that i and and i guess answers that i wouldn't even consider to be anything associated with the gut or with gut health i'll never forget the one i read was about like lines on your fingernails and i looked at my fingernails yeah. and was like they all have lines on them. like is this a bad th-? like i started panicking i was like i called ashley i was like ashley do your fingernails have any lines on them and But, and, I think you had mentioned that even before I completed the forum that it might seem out of context, but just to provide all of the answers because all of this can be linked in some way or another, um so very, very detailed there, and then, yes, the soul sample was horrendous, literally <laughs> the most scarring situation of my life.
2: I think it was more scarring for me <laughs>
0: yeah, no, it's not actually bad, but it was. I'm just not good with that stuff. So it was bad. No.
2: Yeah. It's, it's,
1: it's kind of gross. I'm, I'm not going to lie to you, but it's worth it because then you get the results and you're like, okay, it was terrible, but no, it's worth it.
0: So why is the stool test essential? Like what is, is it providing something that other tests can't? Cause I'm sure there are other yeah. protocols just that aren't as I'm going to say accurate or reliable
1: yeah they're just not as helpful all the time so so many times when you're going to your traditional conventional medicine doctor um they might be running a bunch of tests. things like maybe they're doing some blood work maybe they're doing a colonoscopy maybe they're doing an endoscopy and those can absolutely be helpful and they can still be really great data to use alongside stool testing just to give us some more information to what's going on But those things are really looking for any structural abnormalities. So they're kind of looking to rule out any of like the big, bad, scary things. And so it is helpful to rule out some of those really serious things. But when those all come back normal and your doctor's like, oh, looks all good. Your colonoscopy looks normal. And you're still like, okay, but I still feel like crap. Now what? That's where the stool testing comes in because we get down to a much more microscopic level. In the stool testing, we're looking at strains of bacteria. We're looking at your good gut bacteria, your bad bad back, your bad bacteria. We're looking at any pathogens in the gut, gut infections, parasites. We're looking at how well you're actually breaking down your food, absorbing your food. All of those things are not looked at when you're doing something like a colonoscopy or an endoscopy. It doesn't get down to that microscopic level. So um, we get way more information in terms of all of that with the stool testing.
0: Yeah, I love that explanation. And it's something that I literally just experienced because even though we did stool testing, you had recommended, hey, just in case, let's also take a look at potentially scheduling either colonoscopy or endoscopy just to rule out some of the bigger, badder stuff. And I think that's a good point to make because I think a lot of people hear functional medicine or functional practitioner, and they immediately think that that individual is now opposed to all things Western medicine, and that's not necessarily the case. In most cases, it's not. Both are can be useful in certain ways, and in my scenario, we utilized both. And just to attest to your point of the soul sample getting down to the microscopic level, and correct me if I'm wrong, in an endoscopy or colonoscopy, the best they can do is biopsy the tissue and even then, you're still not seeing all of the bacteria. They may, they're may they checking for specific things like weed allergies, celiac, et cetera.
1: Exactly. Yep. It's just looking for different things. And so, yeah, I think that there's really a place where conventional medicine shines and there's a place where functional medicine shines. And so when we can combine all of that together, that's really, really powerful. And just the more data that we can get to support what's going on in your unique body, the better.
0: Yeah, Absolutely. And after you got the, in our scenario, after you got the the results back from the stool sample, you read through all the forms, you're obviously looking to see, okay, these are the symptoms. This is how they may be connected. And then you create this protocol in which you're then, I don't know if prescribing is like the correct word, but then what you're recommending that I follow in order to help heal some of those issues and that's obviously where then you can include the supplements that may be beneficial in that process as well now with those protocols how often or how let me say this how long does it typically take to experience any kind of healing or resolution of the symptoms
1: Yeah, so it really, really depends. So number one, we're all very, very different. So our bodies are going to react to supplements in a different way. Sometimes people are really sensitive to supplements. So we have to add them in very slowly and gradually. So of course it's going to take them a little bit longer to get up to that full, you know, therapeutic dose that we want them to get at. So it could take longer for those instances. Sometimes people just forget to take supplements. So inconsistencies can then make it longer. Um, sometimes people just have more factors that are coming in. So for people who are more stressed out, it's going to make take them longer to heal. For people who are not sleeping well at night, it's going to take them longer to heal. So, so many different factors can be playing into this. But on average, I typically recommend for my clients, here's the supplement protocol that I recommend for you stick with it consistently. That's the key consistently for three months and then check back in with me. And after kind of that three month mark is where I really like to start assessing, okay, what's working? What are you still struggling with? Is there anything new that came in and then adjusting from there? So that's typically what I recommend is consistent three months, just really start noticing some differences. That's the other thing when you're working with supplements and doing more of a natural approach using you know, natural herbs and botanicals, as opposed to like medications and antibiotics, they take longer. And that's the other thing about our modern societies. I think we're so accustomed to quick fixes and that's what everybody wants. They want to feel better right now. And so it can sometimes be hard to stick with something consistently for a three month period. So I always try to encourage my clients like, Hey, this is going to take a little bit longer than pop in a medication or an antibiotic. That's going to give you those quick results. But if you want to go at it as the natural way of doing things, then just, I like to preface that, that it just takes a little bit longer.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I love that response. And yes, I, we completely agree. We talk about it all the time with fitness and nutrition and the, you know, the most broad goals like weight loss, building muscle, body composition change. It's just not going to happen overnight. It takes time. It's part of that process. Now backtracking slightly. Once we did the stool test, we got the results back. We formulated this protocol with my results specifically what what about those results made you also recommend, hey, just in case, let's also look at potentially getting this endoscopy or this colonoscopy, and I ended up having a high scan as well. But was there something particular about the results that you then recommend folks do that? Or do you recommend that with everyone just to cover those bigger, you know, more potentially problematic?
1: Yeah. Yeah. So no, I don't recommend it it's just kind of like across the board all the time. There are specific things that if I do see certain things pop up on the stool test that then I will recommend doing some additional testing. So for you specifically, there were higher levels of inflammation that were coming up in your test results some blood in the stool that were coming up and then your immune response. How it's was talking about, I'm actually measuring what your immune response is looking like in the gut. And for yours, yours was a little bit going crazy. It was a little bit elevated. So that's kind of telling us that the immune system is kind of crying out for help. It's reacting to something going on in there. So those were kind of the three big markers, all of those being elevated. That's typically a recipe for me wanting to get a little bit more information and maybe referring out to get a little bit more testing And then also your digestive enzymes. So, our pancreas produces these things called digestive enzymes. These are the things that break down our food. And yours were quite low. And so, anytime those are really, really low, that's also another indication of where I want to see some blood work, maybe what's going on with your liver enzymes, your pancreas, so that we can make sure and just start, yeah, ruling out some of those other things like. If your pancreas isn't functioning optimally and pumping out these enzymes, we want to know why. So that's where some additional testing can come in handy. So those are some of the things that I'll recommend some referrals out.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And I think for me, from my experience as well, it was, and I'm sure other folks can attest to this. When you get to that point in your journey where you're like, holy shit, I just, I need something to work. I want answers. And then nothing serious comes up. You're happy. But at the same time, you're like, fuck, like what is wrong with now? I have to play the long game and be patient because it's not something that's like a huge red flag or a potential like cause for concern. And so you do really have to be consistent in the protocol and stay patient. And then the results will come with time. And then also be open to the fact that, you know, you're not none of us can, none of us are perfect. We can't write the perfect protocol or the perfect workout or the perfect diet on the first go around. Like there's going to be modifications. We need to be dynamic. And we've experienced that to where we've been going back and forth with continued coaching for a while and making adjustments to that protocol based on not only the information I've gotten from the HIDA scan, the endoscopy, et cetera, but also just how we've progressed over the last six months in terms of symptoms, resolution of symptoms, et cetera.
1: Yes, exactly. And, you know, I think that's such a huge thing that's missing in like conventional medicine is kind of that lack of follow up. I know when I was struggling with a lot of gut issues and I was going to my primary care physician and different doctors, it's a one and done appointment. I'm with that doctor for maybe 10 minutes, and then it's kind of like, here's a sheet of paper on the low FODMAP diet. Good luck. And kind of that lack of follow-up is really such a crucial piece. And um, having, you know, those continued follow-ups of, okay, what's working? What's not working? Where can we adjust? Especially when we're going through any sort of gut healing protocols, there's phases to it. So you need to really go through these methodical phases. And so a one and done appointment is usually just not enough. And having that ongoing coaching support is so, so crucial for the long-term success
0: yeah absolutely and i mean just to provide an example we started out with the supplement protocol and that was really it it was like eat more fruits and vegetables and follow the supplement protocol and then Mm -hmm. over time it's progressed into an elimination diet eating gallbladder uh like bolstering foods and starting to fine-tune which by the way full transparency (laughs) i have not eaten any gallbladder bolstering foods (laughs) since we spoke i hate (laughs) beets I hate dandelion extract or root or whatever the hell. Like You
2: haven't even tried it. I
0: I just... I am the... I am literally... I told you, I am the worst client. I will do it, but it, I am stubborn. And it takes me a little bit. And I am so picky with my food. So literally, if it wasn't for Ash, I would still be a phase zero.
1: <laughs> that's okay. You know, we are we're striving for progress, not perfection. So... That's right. We're sad and that's... That's, we'll work
2: on it.
0: <laughs> what were you going to say? I was going to say, and
2: at least you have like awareness because you'd yeah. be an even less ideal client if you were like, I'm I'm not doing and I have no idea why, or like, why aren't I seeing results? I'm doing everything. Oh yeah, that would definitely not.
0: be worse. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I read your well, message, next- Jillian, about beets, and I literally turned to Ash and I said, Jillian wants me to eat beets. I'm fucked.
1: <laughs> And that's where like the personalized coaching support is so great because you could be like, Hey, Jillian, I hate beets. What else you got for me? And it's like, Oh, okay, well that's let's this is what else I have yeah. for you. I have plenty of tools in my toolbox. But it's also really interesting when, you know, you came to me and you're like, I eat kind of the same foods every single day. And even just now what you were saying, you're kind of a picky eater. Do you remember on your stool test results, your good gut bacteria was so low. And that is really how we get that number up and bolster that good gut bacteria is by eating that diverse diet, like we were talking about in the beginning of this podcast. It really is just, it all comes full circle. Yeah.
0: I'd say we have gotten better at that because we do switch up our meals now, like every, oh, like, yeah, it's I'd way say like better. every two or three weeks, which before and- we were robots and I literally did eat the same food every single day, <laughs> like, <yeah>. every <laughs> single week for years.
2: And yeah. You did a good job when you first started working. That I don't, I don't know if you do as good of a job now, but like in court, you we would intentionally go to the grocery store and you'd say, "I'm going to pick out one new fruit or veggie this week."
0: Yeah. Yes. Wow, she's so happy. I,
2: <laughs> I think we have to get back to that. But you were doing a really good job. Yeah.
0: We well, you know what ruined me. We'll we'll talk about it maybe when we're done recording. But that ex- <laughs> my experience with those apples.
2: Oh, That's yeah. what was
0: ruining for me. I, I started eating apples and they started making me throw up.
2: Oh, uh, yeah.
1: Apples, yeah, they, they can be a tough one to digest. And because they feed so much of the good gut bacteria, it can produce a lot of gases, which are good for the body, but they can make you feel uncomfortable. So, apples are one that I love, but you got to go low and slow on them if you have a lot of gut issues.
0: Yeah, so crushing like a softball-sized <laughs> green apple was not a good play.
1: <laughs>
0: that explains no. it. There we go. See? Now I just got to find well, smaller is, apples.
2: Well, it's interesting because I feel like it wasn't every time, too, which would make sense. Like you would have one and then you wouldn't have for one for a few days, but if you had con- consistently had one every single day, that's when it would like flare up worse. Yeah, that's true. Yeah.
1: So, <clears throat> Yeah. Another thing I would recommend is throwing it into a slow cooker and cooking down the apples, really cooking down any fruits or vegetables makes it so much easier to digest and easier on the system. So cooking apples into like a nice apple sauce, you still get all the gut healthy benefits, but it's a lot easier on the system.
0: So apple pie. (laughs) <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding.
2: So literally when we have this baby in a month, you're just gonna I'm just gonna be making you baby food. <laughs> yes.
0: That is it right there. That is what we need. Uh no, awesome. So getting back on track here, because now I've completely lost oh, okay. I got it. Got my train of thought. So all that said, we've been modifying the protocol, we've been cha- adjusting supplementation as needed, and now we're at a point where we are continuing to follow this updated protocol, but we're even considering if there's no change moving toward food sensitivity or food allergy testing. And so I just wanted to briefly touch on that because I think a lot of people hear food sensitivity tests and they think of like those little packets you get in the mail at your house and you (laughs) take them. And then whatever food you just ate is usually what flares up and turns all red flags. So, can you explain a little bit about why the those at-home food sensitivity tests are not the most optimal and why it's better to invest the money and go with a more appropriate test from a practitioner or professional?
1: Yes, absolutely. So this is a big one. When I work with clients, they bring me these food sensitivity test results that they did at home and they're like, hey, Jillian, these are all the foods that I can't eat. And it's just a laundry list of foods. And I'm like... What do you mean you can't eat all of these? And it always are the foods that either you eat frequently or that you've just eaten recently. And the reason because of this is that really what those tests are showing us is that you have some leaky gut going on. So maybe you guys have heard of this term leaky gut before. It's basically when things that are not supposed to get out of the GI tract are able to escape. And that's the thing that lays right on the other side of the GI tract is your immune system. So when these food particles are able to escape your GI triggered your immune and your immune creates an antibody. And then this is what's being picked up on all of those at-home food sensitivity tests. So the problem is not that you're reacting to these foods. The problem is that you have leaky gut and that things are getting outside the GI tract when they're not supposed to. So the answer is not to eliminate all of these foods. The answer is let's heal up the gut, correct any of those imbalances. And then those foods will become a non-issue because they won't even be able to trigger your immune response. So the testing that I do is we're looking at more of a peptide level testing. So what those at home ones are looking at are whole food proteins. And we, don't, we shouldn't have any whole proteins even making their way into the small intestine. And if they're making their way into the small intestine, that's telling us that we have that leaky gut picture going on, that we're not breaking down our foods well. And so the testing that I do with my clients is we're looking beyond just that oh, you have a leaky gut and we're actually looking at if your body's reacting to the peptides of protein. So it's a much more microscopic level. And so basically what it's telling us is it's not just saying like, oh, you have leaky gut going on. It's okay. You're actually reacting to these foods. So it's way more helpful information.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And I think we've talked about that with quite a few of our clients as well, uh, just based on the types of those tests. Now, is that what you're explaining? Is that considered a food sensitivity test or is that a food allergy test?
1: So I, I measure for both, but they're kind of two separate things. So they're both involving the immune system. So you have, you know, your food allergies. These are more of those, they come the IgE mediated responses. So these could be things like if you have, for example, a peanut and you ha- go into anaphylactic shock. That is more of that IgE mediated response. Then you have your food sensitivities. These are going to be more like IgG or IgA mediated responses. So they're still involving the immune system, but not to the degree of those other like food allergy IgE responses. And then you have food intolerances, which these could be things that don't even involve your immune system at all. It could be things like lactose tolerance when you're just lacking a certain protein or a certain enzyme to digest different foods so they're kind of three different things
0: gotcha i think that was a perfect explanation yeah breaks it down It does. uh no that was super helpful and i think just to sum all of that up it's really you know my journey specifically it's a perfect testament to the fact that it's not going to happen overnight that it needs to be an individualized approach that consistency is key That having someone to hold you accountable, like my wife, who just forces me to eat foods that I wouldn't normally is huge. But just really being willing to invest the time, the energy, and the effort to this entire journey across all the the fronts here in order to heal the gut and not just put a Band-Aid over the problem.
1: Yes, absolutely. And it does. I mean, It takes time and it takes some effort, but it is so worth it to just feel good in your body.
0: Absolutely. I couldn't agree more. Uh, Well, Jillian, we appreciate you so much for taking the time to have this whole conversation. I think it was super insightful, probably provide a lot of context and information to people who maybe don't know anything about gut health or starting a gut health journey. So if folks listening want to find out more about you, the gut fix, gut personal, all these awesome things that you're involved with, where can they find you?
1: Yeah. So Instagram really is the best place. So Um, If you want to get started on some good gut healing supplements, we have a great Instagram page for the gut personal. We have a personalized quiz. I can help speak with you as well to get you the supplements that would be most beneficial for you. If you want to dive into some gut health coaching and really dive deep into fixing your gut issues and maybe some other issues of your health that you might be concerned about, the gut fix would be great. And then, of course, I am on Instagram as well. And so if anybody ever has questions, DMs are always open. And I love chatting and connecting with people.
0: Awesome. I'll be sure to place the link for all of that in the show notes as well. Uh, But again, we appreciate you so much. And thank you for coming on the show. And hopefully we'll have you on again in the future.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Thank you so much.
0: Thank you so much for listening to the podcast whether this is your first time tuning in or if you're here with us each and every week ash and i just want to take a moment to express our thanks and gratitude we are so incredibly blessed to have your support and we could not continue to show up week in and week out if it were not for you if you enjoy what you hear on this channel please head over to apple podcast leave a five-star rating leave a review in there as well that is how we reach more people and change more lives through the platform lastly If you don't follow us across all of our other social media accounts, you can find us on Instagram, TikTok, Facebook, and YouTube. Our handles are either ballistic.performance or ballisticperformance across all of those platforms. Or you can check us out online at trainballistic.com. Again, we appreciate and love you so much, and we hope you have a fantastic week.